Welcome to the Next Level Show, a health and fitness podcast with a little bit of life. Hosted by Jonathan Alvarez, Gabriel Contreras, and Mike Nillis. We hope you enjoy this episode. We are live. There it is. We got scared for a second. We thought that we thought our podcasting career was over. I think my computer had a little bit of performance anxiety. You know, it's it's not uncommon. It's like a one out of five type thing. You know, I I think it's because it's noticing that we are we are becoming someone in the in the podcasting world. So I think now he knows that there's we're having thousands of listeners. I think really what's happening is I have too many files in the folder that this gets saved to, and maybe it's time to start clearing that out. Damn it, Mike. I'm just trying to make ourselves like sound good here. How you guys doing? Gabe, you sound a little low today. Do I? Well, let me get a little closer. Now you go. Now I'm fine. Just like you, I get uh, my energy get replenished once I see the recording button because I was dozed off where I was fading fast before coming over here, but now I'm good to go. Yeah, baby. Um, that excites me. I feel like I had to share. Oh, so dude, I don't know if you guys ever experienced this. Have you ever guys like burnt like your shins, like sunburnt your shins? Yes. No. What? So, oh, so, so on that, so I barely ever put any kind of sunblock on my legs because I got hairy legs. And that day that I got like the weird ass sunburn on my, on my chest, I had a sunburn on my legs. I'm like, what the fuck is this about? That's, so, uh, that's just odd and crazy. So now I got to, apparently I got to start, uh, you know, putting sunblock on my legs. Do you have so before I used to like put sun, like, you know, sun oil, like tanning oil, whatever on my thighs when I wanted to tan my thighs. Like this is like back, like when I used to wear the long baggy shorts. So your thighs never got to see any type of sun. Um, yeah. the, 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 the whiteness would start at the kneecaps and on type thing. So um, not anymore, not anymore. So I, I let my hair and my legs grow because for the longest time I had been trimming them with clippers because I was so like bodybuilder focused, really just liking the muscles to show. And I never liked to shave. I never used a razor on my legs before. Even when I competed, I just used the, the, the zero guard and I had like, you know, that was enough. So I let them grow back. I didn't, I put tanning oil all like not tanning oil, sunblock all over my face, my back, my shoulders. You don't have to lie. It was, it was avocado oil. Baby, oh, baby Johnson and Johnson's. <laughs> so, because dude, the beach, I mean, the sun was like not, there was no cloud blocking the sun. It was really, really brutal this weekend. And yep. I, my nose is big, so I don't want my, like all the sun to go there. And like, it just turns super red. So I just put sunblock. It's good for you anyways. Um, sorry, listeners. You just hear my dog howling at the, the non-existing moon in my living room. And, um, so as the day got later, I noticed that I got home and my legs were itchy. And I'm like, that's the only place I didn't put in sunblock. So I'm thinking, you know, I got my hair back. I haven't shaved my legs. You know, you think the, the hair would protect me. No, mm-hmm. my son, my shins were sunburned and I could feel it with my socks on my long oh. socks, my training socks. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah, no, can't say that that's ever happened to me. It's, you know, you're perfect. it's, it's pretty strange that the, 
you know, like looking back through time and I've only been here for so many years, but even, you know, like pictures of like the old days in like the seventies and a little bit around that time, like the length of shorts acceptable for men has varied so greatly. Like I'm, I'm imagining like the, the shorts they used to wear in basketball mm-hmm. uh, way back in the day, super short, like dangerously oh, short. Yeah. Yeah. And then like moving forward, like I remember there was a certain point in middle school where like, if your knees were showing and you were wearing shorts, you were basically a girl. Like yeah. that was just the rule. You couldn't show any knee as a male in middle school. It was like a sign of weakness. Yeah. And now like growing up, like I've got, I, I like I squat, I deadlift. Like I don't mind if my shorts ride up a little bit because there's, there's a little bit of meat there, you know? Uh, it's very interesting. I wonder where it's going to go from like, are we going to, are we going to see like a resurgence of short shorts? Do you well, think I, it's already I, I happened? I prefer shorter shorts because if I have them like at the knee, it just makes my leg look even skinnier than what it really is. Okay. So I have it kind of like higher. It kind of like makes it seem like if I, because ha- I have a little bit of a, a I guess, core mass on my thigh, mm-hmm. then it, my leg doesn't look as, as, a, as chicken. Yeah. So I think that it's now a thing having shorts that even with the ones you go out with like jean shorts, you know, it's no longer shorts. the long baggy one. Yeah. So you have the, the little, the ones that are already designed with like a fold. So a kneecap is always exposed type thing. And you're right, Mike, back in the day, like I had shorts that were slightly, I was growing out of, but my mom still wanted me to wear them because we don't waste money around here type thing. So uh, I would be like, so embarrassed to wear which is so stupid man you think back as a kid you're like dude that's one thing i would totally i just would not give a damn what the fuck other kids would say but um it's crazy how like we used to wear these i used to wear these baggy baggy clothes that i still to this day wouldn't be able to fit into um i'm talking about xl shirts on a person as like (laughs) i was 14 years old i was scrawny as hell and i I i thought i was so cool um, I'm kind of glad the shit, the tide has shifted because one thing I do notice is that clothes does really, can really exaggerate your proportions or it can mold you in a way. You know, it, if I wear big baggy clothes, I'd probably look shorter than I, than I really am. You know, I'm not tall by any means, but having these long baggy shorts would probably make your legs look super stumpy, you know, or mm-hmm. you know, it gives me like a slightly a taller appearance. So it's crazy how like clothes can affect just your appearance of how you look. You know, and it looks clothes. like it looks like you don't even lift. It looks like I don't even lift. Like if I had these XL shirts, like you know, no one would know that like I had some type of muscle development. You know, so I'm, it got to where I went to the extreme of like XL to when I was like still pretty skinny in high school. Like I think XS, you know, just so those little yeah. tight Abercrombie <laughs> shirts. So like it would be hugging my little toothpick arms. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the clothes the it's always like it's gonna keep going around in circles it's like it, it's always like a reverse trend i hope you don't go back yeah. to baggy style like uh, i don't yeah. think that's gonna it's I mean, come it, back in forms but yeah. not full-blown like baggy pants anymore type thing so we're also not the jinko pants yeah oh no i hope those never come back but we're also like we're aging out of that so like we're not gonna be affected like if they start wearing like baggy shorts again like i i'm gonna be 35 by that point and it's just like i'm i'm so far removed from that that i'm just gonna wear what's comfortable you know no i think i i agree i think that as you get older you just stop giving a shit about certain things i like fashion like staying up like you know i like certain trends i think they're cool like certain shirt styles i like it's it's a thing that i've had to like limit myself because 
especially since now, like we're, we're not, I I don't feel like we're in quarantine, but technically we are like, you're still not supposed to be out and about just doing a bunch of random stuff. Like you can go out and socialize now, but there's no need to be having a bunch of clothes. I feel like I wear the same things every single day. Like I wear gym clothes, sweatpants, you know, t-shirts that, so I've saved a lot of money. Like I'm really just being uh, responsible in that regard. So I guess that's the only thing I'm, one of the things I'm grateful is that I just don't feel like that urge to go to the mall anymore and buy clothes. I'm like, when am I going to wear this? And plus I got to stop caring about this. I got to wear my clothes and then I can put that money to better use anyways. I don't know about you guys, but anytime I go and I look for something, I never find anything. Like I never find anything that I like, any kind of shirts, pants or anything like that. And then I ended up, I end up just getting the same thing, like a plain like V-neck t-shirt in like probably a different color. The fact that you said that now you're going to get an ad on Facebook today or Instagram. About a plain, uh, solid V-neck t-shirt. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Um, on other news that's outside of our, we're probably not the most, we think we're fashionable, Gabe, but we're no, probably not. not right you know, now. there's, we're probably, people probably like you guys are whack, but mm-hmm. anyways, listeners, welcome to the next level show we're gonna, <laughs> while we dive into the fitness portion of this episode. So Common things that we hear as, you know, trainers working with people. I think this would be a really helpful episode. We don't need to spend, you know, we're not going to drag this one out for you guys, but we want to give you something quick, easy, tangible. That's going to pretty much help you navigate probably any program that you ever do outside of, you know, maybe stuff that we've talked about and it's how to pick the appropriate weight for you, for you to work out with, because a lot of people may start a program and they may see um, a program that says, okay, you're going to be doing three sets of eight to 12. And it's like, what, what weight do I pick or what, how many reps should I do? And I like programs that actually don't give definitive answers because I feel like this allows for some flexibility because you have you, cause if you tell someone, I know for a, a client that's beginning, you tell them that, okay, do 12, their form could be going complete shit at eight, but they're, they feel obligated to hit that number. So I think having a little bit of wiggle room allows for people to be okay with maybe just focusing on their technique and form, but having a base of where to be on top of that, you know, you can modify the weight accordingly if you maybe overreached a little bit. So I, you know, boys, I don't know what you guys, what advice you would give for someone that's looking for that maybe ask you, or you write a program and someone asks you this question. Yeah, you, you're talking about overreaching, but then you also have that other problem on the other end of the spectrum where they underreach and they are like, okay, eight to 12, boom, I did 12. Hey, can I go again for my next set right now? Like, like, dude, you just, you just finished. I mean, what do you mean you, you're going to go back to your next set? If you can go back right away, that means that you for sure just went um, uh, too low and you need to just go up. Now, that's a good problem to have, right? I'd rather someone undershoot than overshoot um, in regards to just picking a weight, in regards to training itself right? I prefer that. So that way they can kind of gauge to see where they're at. And I tell them, I, I tell someone, okay, well, you want to do between eight to 12. But um, how do you feel at, at the end of the set? Can you do some more? That means that you probably picked a, 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 the wrong weight. If you do that with 20s, okay, let's try with 25s on the next one. Oh, or was it super easy? If it was super easy, let's just jump up to 30s. And then let's just play, let's just play that way. But um, I always, for me, whenever I'm training, I so if that rep range of eight to 12, do you guys always tend to, to, to veer towards the higher end or to the lower end before moving on to the next one? Because I'm like, let's just with that same example doing, um, I don't know, curls with like, you know, can you do curls with 25, eight, eight to 12? Yeah, sure. 
Um, what about 30s? 30s I can do maybe 10. So do you now go to 35s to go for eight or you stick with 30s or like a 10? I mean, like it, I, I guess it depends on the exercise that you're doing, but that's something that I always uh, say to myself in my head, um, you know, just where, where should I move up or how should I move up or what's the good time to move up? I mean, I would, um, I, I would, I would say it's, in regards to that specific question, I would go with most of my clients and even with myself, if I'm, you know, just starting a new phase of a program and it calls for three sets of eight to 12 and I just hit it right on that money for the very first one. And I get three sets of 12, but the last two or three are kind of, eh, I know I've probably found my, my, my working weight. Um, and then the next week, of course, I come back, I'm well rested. I'm well fed. That three sets of 12 is, a little bit easier. The last few aren't so eh anymore. And I just kind of like get through it. And it's a, it's a good working weight at that point. Uh, the week after that, that's where I'm increasing the weight, um, probably by like five pounds and I'll kind of see what I can get out of it. Um, maybe that means I'm only squeezing out eight and the last one's kind of eh, uh, maybe I'll get to 10 or whatever, but that would be the, um, the approach that I take, but I think it's definitely worth mentioning that a lot of this is going to also depend on how you feel that day. Uh, regardless of what weight you did last week, if you slept like shit last night, you're probably going to struggle with that weight. Um, so be mindful of that. Same thing goes for how you're eating, but I always, um, I put more stress on this when it comes to the big compound movements. Cause those are the ones that I, I put the most emphasis on with myself and my clients. Um, so when it comes to those, I always do a warm-up set. Um, if, if we did, you know, if, if I know this person is, is roughly around, you know, they can, they can rep out 135 on a barbell squat and be okay, then we'll do a warm-up with 95 and see how it feels that day. And if it's feeling good, then we'll put it back up to 135. We'll do one set there. If you get to 12 and it's like relatively easy, then it's time to add a little bit. Um, and then on the exact opposite, if it's, if you get to eight and you're gassed, it's time to like tuck the ego away, pull back a little bit and go for the rep range because that's what we're specifically focused on here is trying to get to that rep range. If we are in the eight to 12, um, I also keep in mind, uh, what program or what program is following this one. So if we've been on eight to 12 for a while and we've been leaning more towards that high rep range for most of that time, and I know a strength phase is right around the corner for that last week, we may target the eight rep range just as a nice little medium between the low rep and the high rep, um, just to kind of get your body moving in that direction. So it's not such a shock uh, when we do turn the corner and go into those low reps. I agree. I think I, when it's like a buffer between X amount of reps to X amount of reps, it depends if I'm going to try to go for the, the higher rep range you know, it's, it depends on what I'm training, I guess, typically for compound lifts. I, it just, it literally, I don't even want to say that for sure. I always go for the higher or for sure. I always go for the, through the end, or I go and snap dab in the middle. I go 10. Um, it just depends on what, uh, what rep range I'm working in. What's my focus, how I'm feeling. That's why I kind of don't like programs that have percentages, even though I know they're very science-based as far as like powerlifting programs, they use percentages. You may have come across a coach that may be using certain percentages. Why I don't always think that this matters for the average person doing a program is just because like Mike was alluding to, it also depends on how you feel, how you rested. Maybe that week you had phenomenal sleep, your nutrition was on great, was great. Your stress was awesome, whatever your hydration. And then you feel amazing. You're lifting at X amount of percentage. 
you know, but maybe the, the other day you still want to get a session in, but your things were out a little bit off out of whack. You may not be able to hit 76% of your one rep max for X amount of reps, you know, even though your program says so, I mean, it's great. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it, but when you've been doing it long enough, and if your goal is not to become a power lifter, go based on how you feel. The way I like to gauge it with my clients is like, you know, I tell them we have this, it's a minimum of these amount of reps. And then when you get to this amount of reps and let's say it's the higher end of reps, you did 12 pretty easy where you could have probably kept going. Then we know we can bump it up a little bit where anywhere between eight to 12 is I'm using the eight to 12 example, but anywhere from eight to 12 is relatively challenging. That's where we want to be. I always ask them after their set is also on a scale to one to 10, how hard was this set? 10 being i could barely move like it was my max effort and zero being it was not even a problem and i like to have a client answer that and they, they, they call this an rpe i think that's mike is that rate per exertion rate of perceived exertion R rate of perceived exertion i always get that one mixed up but it's an rpe and you might have seen some coaches use this or some people have talked about this i think this is a great easy tool to like just reference you don't have to but it's an easy one to ask yourself if you're in the gym how hard was this set on a scale of one to ten if you are roughly about if you're doing about seven to eight or roughly about more consistent eight that's a perfect weight that's usually a pretty good working weight you don't always have to be a 10, you, but if you're noticing it's like a five and a six or less, then you know that maybe, okay, I can bump up the weight a little bit. And this is a very easy metric that I like to you know, help my clients with. Uh, that's super simple. It goes based on that day on how that weight is feeling because some days the weight, we know that, for example, when we're doing a deadlift, the deadlift that may have felt easy one day, the next time you go to do it, or it's been a while, that same weight feels like, oh my God, like I, that used to be a six or a five. Now it's like a freaking nine to a 10. It's like super heavy for some reason because other factors might to, to be considered. So I always like, you know, using those as a easy metric. Um, you always want to be, because like my Gabe even said, some people have never lifted before they play it too safe. But then we have the people that are like super like into the gym that they're always going for the 10. So you kind of want to find that balance between, you know, between an eight, I would say no less than a seven of rate uh, per, for perceived exertion is going to be super beneficial for you. Yeah. I, I like what Mike said before about uh, having a, uh, like a preset or a warm up set before his uh, working sets. And I like doing this because it kind of helps you to gauge where you're at for that day. So it, I guess the key thing would be not to be so focused on the weight or the number and more of like the feeling and how does it feel to say, okay, I want to hit within, within this range. I want to hit this, um, you know, in order to hit that, uh, let's see where, where I'm at. Okay, this week I was doing it with 30 pounds, um, but last week it was with, uh, you know, 40. So I need to come down so much. Why? Okay, well, let me think. Well, that's right. I didn't sleep all that great. Um, I didn't have, uh, I, I don't know, my, maybe my, my nutrition wasn't on point or I'm really stressed or I'm really thinking about something else that's going on or I'm, uh, this is that um, maybe you're used to maybe someone that they prefer to train in the morning. Uh, now you're training in the afternoon, right? So it's just whatever's better for you. And just think about more about the feeling as opposed to about the weight on the bar or the weight on the dumbbells or anything. So I like what you mentioned, uh, John, about the, the using the RPE as a gauge. And that's probably like the best way to go about it. I mean, I kind of like think of it as like, you know, when you're, uh, when you're playing a video game 
and you press the turbo button, right? You're gonna you're going until it kind of like deplenishes. You can't hit that turbo button right right away after you use it all up. Right? You need to rest in order to to kind of hit that um hit that set again because you would want to maintain that same range. If I do with uh let's just call it with 30 pounds, or oh, I can do 10. On the next set, I can only do like maybe eight or even six. Then maybe I need to start making some some adjustments there. So that's just a, a couple of things just to kind of be mind be mindful of. John? I think that important to note too is that if you don't use a number like a, a range like that, is also to judge it based on. Obviously, we've we've advocated on the show, but I'll say it again on this one, just in case you're someone new and hasn't heard this. But it's you know we don't we don't we don't advocate always to be going to failure all the time, every single lift, every single set. There's times to like you know put the turbo on, go for it, you know push yourself, really test your limits of what you absolute failure. Sure, but most of the time, if you want to see consistent progress and strength gain in the gym, you don't have to. You always want to use a rule of thumb as well as that. Um, you can, you should be holding about one or two reps short of that failure mark. I like this advice. I can, I know that we could follow this advice a little bit better uh, than maybe someone that's never lifted before. That's why I also like to use the RPE of one to 10 because it allows someone to think more objectively because sometimes when they think it's one that, you know, they only have one or two reps in the tank, they really have like five or six, you know, it's a lot of reps. And there's sometimes that I'll test a client and I'll let, I'll just have them keep going. And I'm just like, keep going. And it's crazy. Like they pump out some, and I, and I tell them, see why, you know, we could do so much, you know, you can challenge yourself and it's, it's motivating to the client. It's eye opening. It builds a self of confidence within yourself that instead of playing it way too safe, because if you're trying to really make some change and get the body to respond, there has to be some form of intensity you, if you're noticing you're just not making zero progress and strength in any avenue, you got to look at your training, I would say, obviously, first and to see like how your intensity is. You doesn't mean, like we said, go crazy to where you're putting yourself in harm's way, but definitely an intensity factor has to be there for the body to respond. I, I've done that where um, I have them do more reps, but not intentionally. You know, because I'm more, I'm paying, I'm walking around, paying attention to their form. Let me just, you know, look at it at different angles. Oh, what number was I up to? Uh, three more. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have done the same thing too. I'm like, dos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what, it's always two more. They're like, how many am I at? I'm like, just do two more. You're good. It looks great. Like, <laughs> I, have a friend, I have a friend that literally will say like, you know, how many do I have left? I'm like, how many more can you do? <laughs> Cameron, my uh, guy that I work with at the private studio, he's so funny with his clients. He's like, I don't count, man. Like if you keep going, cause if I give you a number, I know you're going to try to stop at that number. And he's just, mm -hmm. kept, obviously if he knows is like a lot, then he's like, chance increases the weight, but he's like, I don't know. Did I tell you to stop or how many more can you do? It's always like, he's a, has a sarcastic remark, but he has the type of clients that you can have fun with like that. It's good stuff. Um, this is all great advice for somebody who's just trying to like figure things out and figure out where they are. But once you get the ball rolling, a, super duper simple way to kind of keep track is just pull out your phone and take a note of what weight you did. I have my clients do that. I do that with my clients. And if they ever need, I have that information to send to them. Just pull out your notepad, write down dumbbell bench press 35s. And if you want to go the extra mile, put in rate of perceived exertion yeah, eight. I think that's perfect. Um, the, just to kind of keep track for yourself. Cause you know, like 
I don't have to write down my weights. I remember every single weight for every single exercise because it's just that high on my priority list. And I know for most of us, we have kids, we have jobs, fitness is maybe within top 10. Hopefully it's within top 10. Um, it's not the thing that's in the forefront of your mind. So just take the, take the second, you have a minute rest, put that minute to work and just write down the weight that you did. And then moving forward next week, you can take the advice that we gave and see how you feel that day. Maybe you slept like shit. Maybe you're super stressed. Maybe you just paid your taxes and you're pissed. That number is going to change a little bit depending on how the day went. Um, there's also a, a tip that I can give that I've, I've, I'm, I'm starting to master this. Uh, and this is a tip for any coaches out there. Learn your client's facial expressions because they can't hide. They can put the weight down and tell you whatever they want, but they can't hide their face when it's rep number 11 and they have one more to go. You're going to be able to tell how hard they're working by the way they squint their eyes, what their body language is doing. So with that in the mind, you, you need to of the rep, how controlled the weight looks on them. Exactly. All, all the variables that go into the way that they get the weight moving, you can, you, you have to develop your eye and learn how this person moves, how they cheat. Uh, and you know, like, one of my clients comes to mind. He's very quiet. He never swears. I know we've pushed it when he's gasping for air and he says, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Okay. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, we need to pull back just a little bit because we pushed it a little bit too far, but go ahead. I wanted, I wanted to add the Mike's thing about the notebook. I think it's a brilliant or your phone, whatever works best. There's studies that actually show this. They've taken two, uh, you know, just a you know pair of twins um, two twins, like a pair of twins. Twins, um, four twins. <laughs> so they took a study uh, with just twins, and they did a one. You know, the training style was exactly the same, and one documented his workouts, every workout with a notepad. You know, at the time, just documenting, you know, the weights he used and everything, and the one just kind of did the workout with just remembering. I'm more of that person. I don't care to write everything down personally. For me, I don't do it. So, but. I know that there's a tremendous value because the, the twin that wrote everything down and went his workout was seeing more consistent strength gains and, and was increasing the weight over time more consistent than the one that didn't document and just did it based on his memory. This is super important because, like I said, you're not always going to remember because this is not always at the top of your head. I would recommend, especially at the beginning – you don't have to always do this because you don't, you don't have to do anything we're saying. It's just advice that I would say at the beginning of your training that I wish I would have done is probably write stuff down because you probably would see a lot more consistent, especially since you have kind of that newbie gains. Um, apologize once again for the dogs, but um, you have those newbie gains that you're going to see more consistent gains in than in your entire lifting career. So this is a great advice. Even if you're advanced as well, there's some value to it, but definitely from our beginners, the people that are just getting into uh, working out consistently. So not only for the beginners, is it great for them to see where they're going and, uh, and track their journey, but also kind of gives them feedback of like, oh, hey, like I am improving. I mean, I'm making these kind of gains. I am making um, progress in this, whether it's, uh, it, it's visible or not. And um, something that, 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 I, that I thought of is, so we were talking about um, overshooting and undershooting, but also what's greater for writing it down is for the, also for the people that tend to stay the same. Like they always get the 20s, they always do 10, right? And that's, that, and that's cool with them. But if they see this on, on, on a piece of paper, oh, I did, I've been doing the same exact, you know, 
weight, same exact reps for like, you know, four months. Okay, maybe I need to change it up a bit. So that's that's good uh, information to kind of have them right in front of their face in order to make that uh make that adjustment. Yeah, I I really like the uh, the taking the notes thing. That also just an added benefit. It's not a surprise that the 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 twin that was taking notes uh, did better. You're also not only are you more aware of the weight that you're moving, but now you're creating an awareness around the exercise in between the sets. So I see this all the time at my gym, especially with my younger guys. They do their set, they pull their phone out, they scroll Instagram. They completely disengage from what they were just doing, as opposed to the person that sits down and thinks, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how hard was this? And really thinks about each rep and thinks about the form and then writes down a number. They keep track of their weight. You're, you're staying engaged into what you're doing, um, as opposed to just logging out and then logging back in each time it's time to move the weight. I wanted to add to this is a little bit off the topic of picking the right weight for you, but this is also for someone that may be struggling. They say that this X lift sucks or this muscle sucks, like they can't build it up. This is an all great way just to track your strength and as well as your working volume. Are you getting better over the course of time is a very great way to know if you are really doing what you can because a lot of people that just wing their workouts, they may have a consistent week where they're doing everything phenomenal. They lifted great, but then they have a lot of other weeks in the month that are mediocre. Their training volume significantly dropped. So you may not have anything inherently wrong. Your genetics may not be as bad as you think. Your body part may not be as hard to build as you think. It's just that you haven't been consistent. So probably having some type of documentation uh, during a course of time where you're really trying to make some progress this could really come in handy just as well as knowing what working weight is good for you in that phase yeah because then you can say oh you know my uh, rear delts aren't are, are really lagging well let me look at my logs oh well i haven't hit them in like you know a week or i've only done you know one exercise within the past two weeks or or something to that effect so that's a good way to uh to to to, to use it and a good way to do it so you mentioned about like you know I, i've tried that before I forgot why, you know, after a set finishes, I get on my phone and I think I had, I literally had to look at something or maybe I had to look at an email, but I just feel like it just, I get like so disconnected and just hard to kind of get back into it again. Mm -hmm. um, I don't do that. I usually just pace around. I don't know what you guys, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big pacer. So I'm, I'm, I, I go and then I just start walking around back and forth. If I only have like a little, little space in, in the gym because it's crowded, then I just walk back and forth like some kind of maniac. But um, that's just what I do whenever I'm uh, in, in between my sets. Yeah, I do. I do angry. It depends on the lift and the rep range. But if I'm like going for heavy deadlifts, I, I do angry pacing with heavy breathing just to like, and I think about like, I don't know, like a song or something that like gets me going. And uh, yeah, but I, I do the same. Or no. even on the flip side, sometimes if it's like, heavy squats or something like I'll, yeah. I'll sit down. Yeah. I'll yeah. just straight up sit down and not move. <laughs> No, I think that also another big way of knowing that you're working with the appropriate weight is that, you know, you ever had those clients that you tell them, let's rest a minimum of 60 to 90 seconds or mm -hmm. two minutes. If you're feeling, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And they just want to go right away. You know, like after 30 seconds, they want to jump back on the weight. You know how you know as a trainer that you got them exactly where you want them is when they ask, like, it's already time. Like, two yes. minutes have gone by and it's like, oh, shit, it's time. That's when you know because an easy way, especially for my ladies, I've noticed this with my, with my female clients mainly, is that 
you're not lifting as much as you can, realistically. You're a lot stronger than you think you are. And if you're, if I, I can tell right away how hard the weight is for them, if they're telling me like they're ready by 20 to 30 seconds and they want to get back into their lift, if you're lifting, you should pick a weight that if you, if the workout program you're following recommends 90 second rest period, which is phenomenal to push some strength and still have kind of an endurance aspect to it. It's like a mutual thing. Um, then if you're noticing, if you're counting down the time and you notice that the time is like, it's like, wow, it's already 90 seconds is up. Then, you know, it's a perfect weight that you should be working in. So that's one thing I love to give advice as well, that I'm glad I didn't forget that piece because that's another common thing I see with clients. I don't know if there's any other ones that you guys notice for rep for picking the perfect weight mm. or the weight for them. I think that just about covers it. I can't think of anything else. Um, yeah, I think that was it. Going by the feeling, going by um, a range as opposed to one specific number. Don't always go to 10. Don't go to some arbitrary number like that, right? Because mm -hmm. most people just do, oh, I'll just do 10. Yeah, it's always 10. It's always 12. It's always 15. Like, mix up your rep ranges. But as far as picking the weight, if you fall a little short of that because you challenge yourself with new weight, that's okay. It just, that's why we like the ranges. It kind of gives you a little bit of wiggle room. So you don't feel like you have to marry the 10 or 12 or 15 rep range every single time. Yeah. And it's okay. If you stop at a odd number, like at yeah. a seven, no, or nine. you, you stop right now. <laughs> that's not permitted. Mike does not agree. <laughs> Mike counters this. No. Um, I'm trying to think. I have a buddy that always used to train to 16 reps. Funny. Oh, man. He's always like, he's like, you got to hit 16 on this. And I'm like, the fuck, 16? But it's crazy because we've like picked these numbers. Like, you don't have to. You, if you stop at nine, realistically, you couldn't get to 10 without like hitting failure. That's fine. You did exactly what you needed to do in that moment. So the most important thing for the listeners is to always remember – it may vary from day to day. A good way to keep yourself overall consistent with your training volume and intensity is always documenting is an easy way that if you don't have a trainer to keep log or track of it, um, it's a great way to kind of keep yourself honest and objective with the weight that you're using as well as if you're noticing you're, you're feeling like the rest periods aren't uh, or too much rest period is like too much time to wait you're not lifting heavy enough because once you pick a weight that you know you work with that's challenging you don't want to jump right back into it because you're not as strong you want to recover and that way you're you're able to maximize each set i think that pretty much covers it this one is a pretty straight and sweet and to the point but i feel like this is super common within the training space that of questions that we get asked especially when i do an online program for example where i'm not there in person to explain this in real time i've gotten better at kind of making a notation in their program saying like you know gauges like how to use the weight because i'm never going to tell a client that i off the top of my head you have to lift this exact weight for this because you may be better than that or it may be too much for you at that point so um yeah i think that sums it up anything else before we wrap up boys actually yes oh, there is one thing there is one thing we officially have created the next level show private forum group on our facebook so if you type in on groups uh the next level show NXT LVL show private forum. The next level has to be together, by the way. I'm going to make a point and emphasis on that. Uh, Mike will do a great job of just adding that into the show notes so you guys exact, exactly know what to search for. It's a free group. 
we want to just get connected with you guys, talk with you guys. We already had a good question asked by one of our followers, Lindsay. We love that, you know, she's been supporting the, the show and enjoying it. Um, where you can ask questions and other people that are listening to the podcast are also chiming in and adding their, you know, their help and advice. You know, it's just a p place that we can just grow together, you know, connect and all that. Mike? I did want to say this occurred to me after I, because you and I both replied to Lindsay and it occurred to me like, why is it that we, because I do this too. Why do we only accept certain foods for breakfast, but then lunch and dinner, you can, it's just free reign. I mean, you can even have breakfast for dinner sometimes. I think even marketed super well. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, I, I don't know. There's definitely been days where I've woken up and had like a ribeye for breakfast. And like, mm -hmm. that was probably mm -hmm. one of the better days of my life, but like, yeah. It's so funny how it's like we get Greek yogurt, we get like eggs, bacon, pancakes, uh, cereal. There's like, there's breakfast foods and then there's like all the other food that you eat throughout the day. It's so strange to me. Yeah. It's a marketing thing for sure, because realistically you can eat whatever you want at any time. Yeah. Obviously we know you may not sit, something might not sit well with you at a certain time. Like, you know, at going to bed, you don't want to have X food because it just doesn't sit well. Um, but I eat eggs for dinner sometimes. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. yeah I if I don't want to cook and I'm just like, I'm going to have some eggs, some rice and some, like some, some vegetables, like <laughs> some ketchup for sure. And, uh, sliced tomatoes. And that's like a oh. dinner for me, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's, we just, I just, I just gave my personal take of what I realistically eat, but of course know, with this question for high protein breakfast, Hey, you can have a nice good old steak for breakfast with eggs and you know, some, some vegetables and you don't have to stick to quote unquote breakfast foods. Yeah. I mean, there was even that one point, I don't remember. I believe you were the one that told me about this. It was an article or some person out there was suggesting, I think this was a mind pump. Maybe it was from mind pump. I don't know, but they were suggesting like the perfect breakfast for like brain function and it was like a spinach Max salad Lugavere. with like, yeah, Max Lugavere. That's it. It was like spinach salad with like olive oil and anchovies and blueberries or like some random assortment that. of shit. And it's like, I, like, basically the nutshell of that article was a high fat, low carb breakfast and protein, protein and fat. Mm -hmm. uh, they record, they say that it's, it's good because of the satiation component as well, because when you have a high carb, let's say breakfast with syrup, uh, with like pancakes and syrup and or cereal and you don't have no protein or anything it's you notice how much hunger you get later i don't know listeners you guys can comment um you know let us know you know on our instagram or if you guys join the facebook group um just let us know what you think because this is like something i've noticed it's very common that's why i'll have carbs with my meal but i'm also having a decent amount of protein so i don't mind it but I feel great too if I don't have carbs right off the start of the day. I have bacon, eggs, you know, a steak. I feel amazing. An avocado, you know, some vegetables. It's a, it's a, you don't have to stick to the quote unquote, you know, breakfast foods. Um, it would be cool to have Max on. He's really, really like really knowledgeable. That would yeah, be a really great guest to have on. So, so. so for people that like the show, hey, shoot him a DM. All right. Yeah. Shout out to girl Lindsay for that great, good question. Hey, I, I, real quick before we sign off. Um, hey, did you guys know that my uh, massage therapist was fired the other day? So really? Yeah. She, she just, she rubbed too many people the wrong way. <laughs>
All you right, know, he gonna... actually he actually gets me on these. Like, thinking about <laughs> so on the on the thing with the Father's Day, he said that he he rolled his first joint. I'm like, good shit, man. I've never rolled a joint, but he's like, no, it hurt really bad. My ankle's killing me. I'm like, Jesus, man, bruh. <laughs> well, with that, we can't forget the the at least one dad joke on the show. Uh, at for least all the fathers out there, the requirement. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, thank you guys, listeners, for checking this episode out or just supporting the podcast. If you guys liked it and haven't already, leave us a five-star rating and review and leave us a review written of, of your thoughts of the show and what you've liked and taken away from it. And if you really wanted just someone else to benefit from this, share it on your Instagram, tag us on your story. We'd love to just to say simply thank you for the support and share it on our page. And with that being said, follow us on Instagram at The Next Level Show. You can follow my personal page at John Elva seven. Gabe is at prime and glory and Mr. Mike is at Mike Nillis PT and Mike, before you hit the close button, search us on Facebook, type in the next level show, private Facebook group. Uh, no, the next level show private forum, I think is what I have it written out. You'll find it. Add yourself, add, uh, add the, do the little request. We'll add you on there and hope to see you there.